church, it's good to be with you this morning. A few things have changed um, in my life um, since I was last up here on stage with you. So I lost more hair. Um, so I, uh, I, I had another child, and um, the University of Georgia also won a national championship. So uh, is, that, is that too soon to say that, by the way? Are we, are we good? Everybody, everybody good with that this morning? Great. Awesome. Uh, so, so today we have the honor um, of celebrating a milestone in the lives of, of many at our church um, who are going to be graduating from high school. Here's a few of them over, over here uh, this morning. And if, if you're familiar with our milestone map, uh, so we, we've created different, different discipleship milestones based on kids and, and students that, that come through our church, which spans all the way from, from birth all the way up to, to high school graduation. So man, this, this is an exciting day for, for us um, as, a, as a staff, okay, but, but this, is, this is also an exciting day for, for you as, as family and as, and as friends and as a, as a church because after all the, the years of, of preparing and, and planning and, and, uh, and, and planting gospel seeds and praying, so the launch pad is, is prepared. And the, and the countdown for liftoff, man, it's, it's, it's almost up. And I know there's, there's some in the room that might be a little bit sad um, about, about some of that. Um, and, I, and I get that. that. That makes sense. But man, this is, this is also a really exciting day for us um, as well. And so as I, was, as I was considering what text would be uh, appropriate for, for us to look at, so I was looking back um, on my own life, okay, 13 years ago when I, when I graduated from high school, which I know I'm, I'm an old guy, um, so the, the middle schoolers, they remind me of that on a, on a weekly basis, um, on, on Wednesday nights. And so, um, yeah, it's a reality, but man, I had, I had lots of ambition, lots of excitement, the feeling that, man, I was just able to, able to conquer the world. Right. But also for me, for, for me, I'll just say, man, I needed a lot of wisdom. I needed a lot of advice. I needed, I needed a lot of godly direction at that point in my life as well. And so with that, I invite you to join me in the book of Mark this morning, where we will be looking at verses 31 to 35 of chapter 8. So we're going to be in Mark 8, 31 to 35. And as you turn there, so it's in this section of Mark's gospel where, where, where Jesus, okay, he's already called and then sent out his 12 disciples. So, so he's called them to, to follow him. Um, he's, he's sent them out to do some ministry. They came back to him and they kind of had a period of, you know, kind of talking about what happened. So he'd already miraculously fed the 5,000. He'd spend a, a considerable amount of time healing the sick and, and talking with the Pharisees and going around and, and, and doing his ministry. And then, so in response to an explicit confession from, from Peter, confessing that, yes, you, you are the Christ. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced you are who you say you are. So Jesus responds to, to Peter and, and likely some of the other disciples. And he says, man, that's, that's awesome, Peter. Like, I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. I, I'm so glad that you're convinced that I am who I say that I am. But let's, but let's hit pause here for a second. Okay, I need, I need to tell you something. So this is what he tells his disciples in verses 31 to 35. Let's read it together. It says, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. 
For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my, for my sake and the gospel's will save it. Let's pray together this morning. Jesus, we come together on this, uh, and on this important day celebrating, celebrating this milestone in the lives of, of many of our seniors this morning. So as we celebrate this milestone, as we, as we think about our own lives as well, God, help us to consider the words that you gave Peter and the other disciples as well. The only way for us to save our lives is to lose them. So God, speak to us this morning as, as we read your word. Help us to do just that. In your name we pray, amen. Excuse me. <clears throat> so one mark of any good leader is the, is the credibility of having gone there first. So, so if there's anyone in here who shares in my love uh, for, for Chick-fil-A, I mean, let, me, let me hear a passionate amen this morning. Like, like, like you're passionate about it. Okay, let's, let's hear that again. Like you love chick Let's hear it. Who's got it? Yeah. Amen. There we go. That's right. Come on. Very good. So one of the principles that makes Chick-fil-A so, success, so successful as an organization is that virtually everyone in a leadership role so whether you're the, the operations guy at the very top, whether you're a director or a manager, so everyone in a leadership role, okay, has, has mastered all of the positions under their position, which, which means that when a manager gives instructions to someone serving in the, in the kitchen or someone serving in the, in the front of the house with, with customers, so they themselves, they themselves have served in those roles as well, which means that they have credibility, they have gone there first. And as we look into our text this morning, we see that, that after Peter and likely some of the other disciples have, have stated their belief in Jesus as the Messiah, so the follow-up instructions that Jesus gives them is to lose their lives. Which, man, let's, let's just be honest here for a second. Like, it, it makes sense that there would be some, some pushback there from Peter and, and from the other dudes there. But man, let, let me assure you, so these, these instructions from Jesus, being the, being the ultimate servant leader, they are coming from a place of credibility. He's about to go there first himself. They're not empty words with no backing. And so as we look at, our, at ourselves this morning, so those of us in the room that, that, that know Jesus, the same instructions that Jesus gives his disciples Man, it applies to us as well. Jesus calls us to save our lives by losing them. And that's a, that's a tall order. But it's a glorious and joy-filled and, and purposeful calling. And so as we go throughout our text this morning, we're going to make four observations about this calling that, that Jesus gave his disciples and, and therefore gives us as well as modern-day disciples. And that call is to save our lives by losing them. So observation number one is his calling. 
So verse 31, it says, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And so at this point in the, in the relationship between, between Jesus and his disciples, like they've, they've spent a, a considerable amount of time together. They've, they've, they've done some stuff together, and they've kind of gotten past the, the preliminary get-to-know-you stage you know, of, their, of their relationship that we all have to, all have to go through. So they, they left behind their, their former ways of, of life. They left behind their families, and they dropped their nets, and they, and they agreed to follow Jesus. They made it past the, the first wave of, of criticism from the Pharisees and from the, the scribes and from all the other people that, that, that knew them, they were raised with, and, and they decided to dig deeper into their commitment with Jesus. And they have gotten to a point in which at least some of them, perhaps most of them, are ready to unashamedly announce that Jesus is Lord and upon this recognition, so Jesus decides that the man, now is the time for his disciples to graduate from, from high school and go up to college. He's like, all right, like you guys are my people. You, you've said that you're going to follow me. You've put some skin in the game. You've made it clear that, that, that you're committed to me. So let's take this commitment to the next level. All right, so, so lean in, Peter. Lean in, disciples. Listen to what I have to say. I am going to die. And not only am I going to die, I'm going to endure unspeakable suffering. I'm going to be rejected and, and mocked and humiliated in front of everyone that I know, everyone that, 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 that's ever been against me. But it won't be final because after three days, I will rise again. I mean, I can, I can just picture the disciples, after, after Jesus says that, it says that he told them this plainly, which means that there was no room for misinterpretation. He made it really clear to them. My guess is they're like, what? Die? What, what, do, you mean, what do you mean you're going to die? You're, you're our friend. You're our teacher. You're our master. We, we love you. We have given so much to, to follow you. We, we will not let that happen, Jesus. And Jesus reiterates to them, it's not just that it, that it will happen or that it might happen, but it says that it must happen. It is essential and it is necessary that this should happen. It must happen because, because this is what the scriptures have promised. This is what's been prophesied. It must happen because, because this is why I came in the first place. It must happen because this is the only way through my, through my sacrifice and my death and resurrection on your behalf that you are to be saved. So it was his calling. And just to put it simply, so his calling that he just explained to his disciples, man, it was, it was not received easily. So Peter and the other disciples, they are in disbelief, which leads us to observation number two. His temptation. So verse 32, And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. 
So right after Jesus explains to them the, the suffering that will soon come for him on the cross, it says that, that Peter immediately rebuked him. So he tried to talk him down, change his mind, convince him to, to not go down that path. He must have had a lapse of judgment in that moment or, or something like that. And, and what did Jesus do? He didn't just disagree with Peter, like, Peter, like, you're kind of having an off day, you know, like, like just, you know, it, it's all good, we're going to let this one fly. So Je- Jesus responded with the rebuke of all rebukes. He said, get behind me, Satan, which is similar to the way that he responded to, to Satan in the wilderness, not too much before this moment, if you remember. So you see, Jesus, he was, he was no stranger to temptation, And the reason why he responded so intensely to Peter's rebuke, so Peter's plea for him to not go through with his path towards Calvary, and that that was because he knew what the enemy was trying to accomplish through his disciples there in that moment. Don't waste your life and your your status and your position by, by dying. Live for yourself, Jesus. Why would you let go of this of this good thing that we that we have? going for us here to be, to be mocked and to, and to be beaten. Stay here where it's safe. One scholar commented on this passage. He said, he said that Peter had in mind for Jesus a popular messiahship. That was the way the world thought. It was not, however, how God planned Jesus' ministry and mission. The students Parents, church, everyone, everyone here listening, the same temptation that was brought before Jesus in that moment with Peter and in the wilderness with Satan is the same temptation that, that you and that I will face all throughout our life. Make your life all about you. How much money can I make? How much success can I get How can I do everything possible to to win in life as defined by the world and squeeze out as much luxury and and comfort and pleasure as possible because that's what life is all about, right? That was the temptation of Jesus right there in that moment. But Jesus knew his calling. And not only did Jesus know his calling, but Jesus knew how to respond to the temptation in that moment, which was to set his mind on the things of God and not on the things of man. Peter's failure to do this, it resulted in his, in his moment of weakness. And side note, so our failure to do this, to set our minds on the things of God, man, will undoubtedly result in the exact same thing. The way we overcome temptation from the enemy and, and temptation from our, from our flesh is to set our minds on the things of God. So, so far, we've seen, we've seen the calling of Jesus. We've seen the temptation of Jesus. Now, let's, let's change the set here a little bit. So, as we keep going in our text... So observation number three is our calling. The verse 34, it says, In calling the crowd to to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Man, this this is not a verse that you're going to see in the next edition of, of your best life now. 
This is not the most popular verse to have tattooed to your bicep either. But, but this is the calling of, of every Christian. Lose your life and follow me. So um, immediate follow-up question to that is, man, what, is, what does that mean? What does it mean to take up my cross? That's a, that's a word, that's a phrase that we, that we, often, that we often say, that we often hear. And, and thankfully, like, like so much of Scripture, could that, that question is best answered not in an explanation necessarily, but in looking at a person. So John 19 15 to 18, it says, The people cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he, deli- he delivered them over to be crucified. So they took Jesus and he went out, bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. You see, his, his death and his crucifixion, it was, a, it was a burden that Jesus carried all throughout his life. Yeah, he knew what would eventually happen to him. And it was a burden that he, that he physically carried with him as he walked up a hill towards his death. But because he did that, Hebrews 2.9, it says that he is crowned with glory and with honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. So Jesus carried his cross so that his taste of death was a taste that we would never need to have. So that was the cross that Jesus had to carry. So man, what what is your cross this morning? What is the cross that you have been called to carry? How is it that God is calling you to deny yourself? Is it to deny your your desire to just build a name for yourself, but to instead build the name of Jesus? Is it fleeing the desires and the the lust of the flesh to know Jesus more deeply and to to follow him with more obedience? Is it committing yourself to, to serving your family, to serving those that are around you, even though it may not seem like you get much acknowledgement? What is your cross this morning? Because here's the thing. Because Jesus carried our ultimate cross of punishment and death and hell, he will give us the grace that we need through his Holy Spirit to carry the little crosses that we need until the day of our death. So uh, to carry your cross, just to be clear, it is not a call to moralistic living It is a call to to constant dependence on the perfect grace and the perfect strength of Jesus and running to it every single day. So that is our calling. And so as we approach the, the end of our text, so observation number four is our temptation. Verse 35, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Of students, parents, church, our temptation is going to be from the, from the day that you're old enough to remember until the day that you die to live as if we are the center of the universe. 
to see our life to having as much fun, to having as much recognition and comfort as possible until we get across the finish line one day. But hear me out, the Bible tells us that if we live in this way, we will lose our life. Our life will be a waste. The Bible tells us that if we live in this way, man, we we may gain a lot in this life, but we will lose everything in eternity. What a tragedy. And by the way, the matter is, is not that denying yourself and carrying your cross, that it somehow gains you access to Jesus. Okay, that, that's not how it works. As if, you could, as if you could do enough to be made righteous. But instead, it is evidence that Jesus, who carried the ultimate cross of our sin, is your greatest treasure. So what crosses do you need to carry this morning? In what way is, is Jesus calling you to deny yourself? Cry out to Jesus. Ask him to give you his grace and his strength to carry that cross as he alone can give you the strength to do it. He alone has the shoulders to do it and he alone can give you the will to do it as well. So a German Lutheran pastor, his name's Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he was killed by, by Nazis during World War II. So he, he so eloquently says in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, it's a, it's a great book. I would highly recommend reading it. He says, as we embark upon discipleship, we surrender ourselves to Christ in union with his death. We give our lives over to death. And thus it begins. The cross is not the, the terrible end to an otherwise God-fearing and, and happy life but it meets us at the beginning of our communion with Christ. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. It may be a a death like that of the first disciples who had to leave home and, and work to follow him. It may be a death like Luther's who had to leave the monastery and go out into the world. But it is the same death every time. Death in Jesus Christ. In fact, every command of Jesus is a call to die with all of our affections and our lust, but we do not want to die. And therefore, Jesus Christ and his call are necessarily our death as well as our life. The call to discipleship, the baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, means both death and life. So as we go out from here today, may we learn how to lose our lives in order to save them. Let's pray. God, it is, it is quite a calling, this idea of, of losing our lives to save them, God. But, but thank you so much that that is not something that, that we have to do or have the ability to do on our own, God. Because you came and because you carried our ultimate cross of death and, and of sin, that God, now we can, we can cling to you We can run to you and you'll give us the grace and the strength that we need to carry our little crosses. So help us to do that.